You're still not in your own world, Homer. I can get you home, but you have to do exactly as I... This is indeed a disturbing universe. Hello. Hello. It's Sunday evening. No, it's not. And it... Don't, don't lie to people. But but it is. You bastard. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, carry on. Welcome to That Dan Film Show with me, Dan. And me, Batman. <laughs> I mean, Phil. Batman couldn't be here again. He almost... No, it's never, it never shows up. Whereas Jeff, he's always here. Just always here, always on time. He occasionally drives off in his car halfway through the podcast, but otherwise. But he at least here. shows up in the first exactly. place, you know. Exactly. With his opinions in tow. Exactly. His opinions in a toe. His opinions are a toe. Just just a human toe, yeah. like Big Lebowski. <laughs> he wears it around his neck. <laughs> oh, is it for good luck? Maybe. <laughs> I hope not. What kind of luck would that bring? I don't know, but he nailed it. He did. Wait, was that a toe? Was that a fucking toe pun? I'm afraid it was. Oh. Right, okay. From now on, <laughs> I will toe the, the line. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, welcome back. So this week we are reviewing Phil the Butterfly Effect. Indeed, or the Butterfly Effect, if no one could understand my Batman voice. <laughs> yes, the Butterfly Effect. It is indeed, and a little bit of trivia on it. Personal trivia, it's, it's one of my favourite films from the 2000s. The, oh, really? Like, first 10 years of 2000, anyway. Yes. It, was a, it was a good period. It was indeed. For films. It uh, held out well those 10 years. Mm. And that's why we're talking about it today. Yaha. Do we normally do why it's a time travel thing first, or do we do that after the synopsizing? I mean, there's no strict order, but we might as well synopsize first. We shall. Right because after our socials. Oh, yes, of course. Do you want to do them this week? I think I did them and last week. I did them. Oh, you did them I and you fucked them up. up. Yeah. Do you want to redeem? I'll do them. I'll do them and I'll probably get them wrong as well. Thank you. So, we have facebook.com forward slash that Dan film show and twitter.com forward slash Dan film show. Phew. We did very well there. That was good. That was good. <laughs> and our, we have a YouTube that we used once, and that would be youtube.com forward slash 1289746, something like that. Nice and easy for a, people to I remember. Know, right? Because I'm not allowed to put URLs into YouTube anymore. Oh. You're not allowed to do anything anymore. My hello, cat. <laughs> wow. Every <laughs> he's just, time. He's just taken over. Well, anyway, butterfly effect. We've done our socials. I suppose I'll uh, do the old synopsisation. Tell us what it's about, Phil. Oof. Well, it's about Ashton Kutcher in his 20s being a, you know, guy who has blackouts in his childhood. Indeed. And his teenage years. And then as it goes on, it's hard to say much without spoiling things, but I suppose this kind of has to be said because it's, it's probably like the first 20 minutes of the film. So he has blackouts as a kid and then he writes diaries of what he can remember around those blackouts. And then when he becomes an adult and reads the diaries, he can go back to those moments and remember them, but also change them. <laughs> this summer. This summer. That's why it's called the butterfly effect. It's kind of like a very dark version of that bit in Chamber of Secrets where he goes into Riddle's diary. <laughs> That's a very Strange. good segue, but I like it. I'll give you that one. That does work pretty well. Yeah, it's a dark version of... Well, I suppose that was a pretty dark moment. Yeah, the, I guess, actually. It's that, but he can go back and change what happens. But that, of course, changes everything. Hence, the butterfly effect. Exactly. Because that is the official term. Well, it's got two terms. It's that or chaos theory. Yeah. Which is, to boil it down to its <clears throat> kind of core points, is mm. essentially where you... Anything you do, even minor in the past, will have a knock-on effect, like a ripple. Like if you throw a stone in a pond, it will, mm. the ripples will affect, and it will it could change something drastically in the future. Watch the episode of The Simpsons where Homer gets a time-traveling toaster, and you've got this film. <laughs> Except without the toaster and without Homer. But pretty much. But pretty much the episode, same thing. Yeah. Uh, so why is it a time-travel film? Well, we just kind of answered that. Yes. He travels back in time. Well, yep. What do you want from us? Yeah, there's multiple instances of time travel, mm. um, so that definitely ticks that box. Um, it's, I don't it's, know if it's... The, is it the first one that's done it that way that we've discussed? 
Yes, yeah, nothing else. Normally, if they travel back in time, they're still who they are at that point, whereas in this, his mind travels back to his younger self. Yeah, so it's almost like time travel with his consciousness. Yeah, yeah. that's a good way of describing it. Yeah. I was going to say his soul, but, you know, his soul, brother. He doesn't brother. have a soul. <laughs> He's Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> I like Ashton Kutcher as well. Also, nearing the, the spoiler territory, he kind of doesn't have a soul. But we'll get into that later. Oh, your cat is chasing his tail. Oi, leave it alone. <laughs> He's such an idiot. <laughs> well, uh, while Dan saves his cat from his own mouth. Oh, there we go. He's off. He's off. There he goes. Bye, Blink. Oh, no. No, he's just going to... Oh, God, he's going to do his stare at you now. He's literally attached to him. We're going to have to attach uh, a picture of this pot to this uh, episode post on Facebook of just him staring from the door. Yeah. Because I think he's going to do that for the whole episode now. Indeed. Anyway, maybe where were even we? a video clip. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where were we? So, um, yeah, butterfly effect. It's kind of fitting that he was chasing his own tail and biting something that's attached to him, hurting himself. That's a different theory. There's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I can't remember what the theory is called, but though. In this film, <clears throat> stuff does come to bite him on the arse. That's very true. Know. It does come yeah. back round to screw him over. Indeed. But that's the spoiler section it is we don't we don't want to give too much away exactly so i suppose we should start with a lovely bit of acting hmm. we normally do yeah and there's only one man who's the main character because it'd be weird if there was one man if there was two men who were the main character themselves when there's only one main character you get what i'm going for here <laughs> i'm Mis- gonna say yes <laughs> <laughs> mr ashton kutcher indeed yes I think this is like one of two films I've ever seen him in, even though I know he's in quite a lot. Yeah. And randomly, you know what happened with Charlie Sheen and Two and a Half Men? Uh, dude went crazy. Well, I mean, he's always been crazy, but <laughs> like after he got fired from the show, okay. they replaced him with Ashton Kutcher. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It seems like a very odd choice. <laughs> yeah, mind you, I've never liked it, so True. maybe it does work. Sounds about right. Anyway, so Ashton Kutcher, I'll let you... Uh, let you take over what what do you think of ashton he's good i mean i do find him a bit annoying in other stuff Mm. um he actually plays the character in that 70s show quite well i just never oh yeah i've seen that as well but he does fit that character he does and in dude where's my car he does fit that character (laughs) okay yeah dude where's my car is a good film too yeah he does fit that character quite well (laughs) which is one aspect of this film that is really good i i think he does actually give quite a solid performance Mm. Um, he gets um the it's weird because in some ways it looks like bad acting because he doesn't really say much in some scenes but at the same time his reaction to what's happening is actually really quite realistic because he's just like what the fuck is happening Mm. (laughs) because you would be in these situations which we will cover more in the spoilers but um yeah whenever he changes i suppose we can say it changes realities it uh he's obviously got to react to that realistically and i think he does a pretty good job yeah i do too i do too it's it's interesting (laughs) it's one of those films where the main cast are pretty strong Mm. and when we talk about it a bit more there are quite a few familiar faces people that have done quite a lot since Mm. at the time i didn't recognize any of them a few of the child actors you know you recognize now right Yeah. yeah exactly now that they've grown up um some of the supporting acting kind of characters that are really kind of far on the edge i did feel was a bit hammy bit hammy yeah um and just a bit wooden Mm. but that's more to towards the start of the film um, because the start of the film is where he's age seven around about every seven years he jumps yeah and to be honest this is kind of going into just (coughs) general film commentary but i do feel the start of the film is a little bit clunky Mm. And then when it kind of goes to his teenage years, I think it starts to smooth out. The acting gets better. Yeah, it, it finds its flow a bit more. I think. I think with the so, again, not particularly spoiler because it's so spoily, spoilery because it's right at the beginning of the film. But the build up to when he becomes an adult is you see the blackouts in the same way he would. Mm-hmm. So it will just randomly jump. Yeah, I think that's always going to be jarring but yes. i think it's supposed to be so it's not so bad that you know all these blackouts happen and you suddenly jump from one scene to the next and you're like what the hell's going on you're supposed to feel that it's meant to be confusing 
and uh, in fact we watched it with someone who hasn't seen it before and they were clearly getting that yeah motif from it it's the the start of it becomes i feel like if you rewatched it quite soon because i hadn't seen i think both of us hadn't seen it for quite a I while seen it in about five years yeah. yeah at least but if we'd watched it in closer proximity i think the starts more like a lot of time travel films the start becomes more digestible to watch yeah because by that the second time around you already know that's the style mm. but when you watch it for the first time or you haven't seen it for a long time it is very staccato like you said you couldn't really remember what happens whereas i've seen this film enough times i remember damn near everything about it right um even some of the stuff from the director's cut version which mm. is why i've got on dvd but we watched the thorat the theatrical <laughs> that sounded like a dinosaur <laughs> um the theatrical release version which is missing some of the scenes from the director's cut um but we've completely forgotten about ashton kutcher here we have and these are the main stars. Yeah. So actually, good. yeah, he, he he was good. I mean, I've not got much to compare him to in other roles. I mean, like you said, he's in that 70s show and he's pretty, well, just a goofball character in that. Mm. This is kind of the only thing I think I've seen him in that he's serious. Like he's taking, it, it's a serious role. He still has that, like his character in that world has that attitude. But for the film, he's acting serious. So also, it works well. he does show... A surprising amount of versatility mm. because the character that he plays isn't the sort of character he normally plays. No. But then one of the um, time strains where he... It's, it's like the second time I think he changes things and he becomes a jock. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is much more like kind of familiar Ashton Kutcher <laughs> characters we've seen. But he's still the same character he was before he becomes a job. Yeah. Because he's got those memories. So he's he's fun. able to switch between the personas quite well. And I haven't seen him in much else where he plays a serious character. And I, I would quite like to see more. Hmm. I'm sure he probably has done. He's done a film of a biopic of Steve Jobs, hasn't he? I believe. I don't know. There's one with Michael Fassbender. I don't know. If maybe there, there's uh, one with Kutcher I as well. I thought there was one with Kutcher as well, yeah. I think one was a series and one was a film. I think there was two done from him. Okay. randomly um i really don't know what else he's been i know he's been in a few things but tell what give it 10 years he'll be in a marvel film yeah like probably. everyone else probably. i'll be in a marvel film in 20 <laughs> <laughs> i wish i'd get paid all the money yeah <laughs> even just a cameo would be nice yeah it'd be nice just standing in the background going yeah. like hi how's it going you're gonna you're gonna stop thanos i know you did that last time <laughs> i love you guys let's go save the world Woo! <laughs> Um, there's not really much else to say about him we can probably talk a bit more in the spoilers but one thing I will give credit for is it's subtle but I think they the makeup they do on him and like the changing of his facial hair and stuff they the makeup department did a good job of that and the continuity of, an, of it and everything because it's subtle little changes between each reality that kind of add to his character and what he would have been like in that world and I think you know props where Pops are needed. Yeah. Indeed. <clears throat> yeah, and um, he does look really pale in the like latter half of the film. Yeah, and the, I'm not sure if it actually did, but there's some realities where he's like skinnier. I'm not sure if that was yeah actually the case or if he just looked skinnier. But. I mean, it could be lighting. It could be mm. a multitude of things. But whatever combination, it it definitely, he does seem more haggard and... yeah unkempt like he there's he, kind of a reason for it as well to be yeah fair. yeah he, dre he he's not dressing as well <coughs> his hair's a bit of a mess mm. yeah there's definitely that element yeah element element <laughs> well that was ash ketchum's character <laughs> <laughs> on to uh i believe her name is amy smart 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 yeah she Which, plays uh, kaylee i think the only two things i've ever seen her in is this and an episode of scrubs She's in Crank. Oh, both Cranks. I've seen Crank too, so she's his wife. She's hit. Maybe she's not in the second one. She's definitely mm. in the first one. Interesting. I've seen her in quite a lot of stuff, but I I couldn't name you <clears throat> off the top of my head. Mm. But um, she's kind of similar to Ashton Kutcher in a sense in that she's she plays the role pretty well. To be honest, she's not the best actress that I've seen. Mm. Like she's she kind of often plays a similar role. Um. 
but she gets the sort of multiple um not personalities but personas pers- yeah personas across the different realities like this one where she's incredibly well her life is a mess basically this one where her life is even more of a mess and there's one where she's you know actually quite doing quite well for herself i think you know again she plays the role pretty well again and i think this is probably one of her first bigger films really i don't know how big butterfly effect was to be honest it seems like it was a big film but yeah. i'm not sure if it actually was i think i could be wrong but i think it did quite well publicly but critically it didn't do great yeah i think it i think it's one of those films that did better when it came out on dvd yeah maybe which which happened a lot in the mid 2000s i don't know why cinema kind of i think in the mid 2000s cinema got too expensive for people to want to go to it anymore so and films started staying in cinemas for less time so when we were kids films were staying in cinemas for like four or five months Hmm. now they stay in cinemas for a month maybe two depending on the size of them and then they're on dvd so a lot of people started waiting for them so unless it was a massive film like i don't know maybe like the matrix or something at the time most people would just wait and this is one of those films it's same same with like uh anchorman anchorman is i know it's a completely different film but similar sort of uh success with it it didn't do that well in cinema but when it came out on dvd it was massively popular enough to get a second one yeah which you know which randomly the butterfly effect has two sequels but neither of them are connected and apparently they're both terrible <laughs> so we won't discuss those further <laughs> they don't exist no yeah. but this film when did donnie darko come out oh good question early 2000s as well been, right yeah not long it's got a donnie darko feel to it i find you know yeah. it's got that similar sort of time travel-esque element to it and a little bit of that chaos theory sort of element to it as well it's almost it's like a younger less polished version because yeah. i like this film i like it quite a lot but there it is a bit rough around the edges mm. i'm personally not sure about the ending and, yeah. and like you say a few of the performances are a bit hammy um, <clears throat> whereas donnie darko i think stronger on those fronts mm. but it's this has got similar <laughs> styles that make it a an interesting film we've gone off of our main act- off of our actor again yeah well i but was I there's was, not much else to say on there yeah unless you've got something um no again it's like you're saying the versatility's there mm. um she, 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 you're right she is playing a kind of familiar character but um no there's there's yeah the, yeah it's that's about it really i mean <clears throat> for me i found Bobby's character more sorry Lenny's character more interesting yes he's played by um Eldon Henson Mr. Foggy from Daredevil yeah, exactly and you as we were watching the film and there's a scene where he's got his hat on you can't really see his face mm-hmm. I was like I know that guy who is that guy it's fucking Nelson and yeah and I, like halfway through the film I literally went Dan that's and you're like it's Foggy and I was like yeah it's Foggy mm. no one loves Foggy he was great in Daredevil yeah because I, th- I think um Kaylee and Tommy, they're Ashton Kut. No, a- Amy Smart and Ashton Kutcher's characters. No, um, Tommy is the always oh, the brother. Yeah. So, yeah. To explain, Tommy is unhinged. Um, <clears throat> he he's a bit of a sadistic kid. Um, <clears throat> Kaylee's more kind of like damaged and self-destructive. Yeah. Um, and Tommy is more just generally destructive to others yeah. and sadistic, and it stems from their father. We'll get into that, um, but there's a reason why mm. they're they're necessary for the for the plot to work. Having yeah. them as those characters allows the plot to have so many ways it can go, because obviously he's trying to change things and it's having effect the butterfly mm. effect. So it works in in terms of the story progression, <clears throat> but they're quite tropey characters. Mm. Um, I don't think that that. They don't have that much depth. That much depth. Yeah. Whereas Lenny is a really interesting character. Yes, I think um, one of the interesting thing for all of the actors is they all got to play very different versions of the same character. Yeah. Um, like except except kind of ironically, Ashton Kutcher's character because mm. he's still got the memories of his first reality and he takes that personality through. He does change a little bit, especially in the Jock one. But all the other characters, obviously, this is their reality, so they act completely differently and it must have been kind of like a very interesting role because they're all quite new actors at the time 
So getting to play the same character in multiple ways and really experiment with the role must have been pretty enjoyable. It's also a very <clears throat> early kind of version because now it's quite popular and directors like Nolan and I can't remember his name, but the guy who writes True Detective, mm. Nick Palaz, well, I can't remember the rest of his name. They will pick characters that are known for one certain role such as Matthew McConaughey is a perfect example mm. uh, before True Detective. He'd, he'd done a few serious roles, but obviously he's known for rom-coms. Yes, which it's, is always weird because the first film I properly saw him in was uh, Interstellar. Mm. So the idea of him in a rom-com is very bizarre. But me. he was doing that for Yonks. He, <laughs> he was. was. Doing it, and he was t- pretty much typecast for that. Um, and And yeah, and Nolan's obviously casting. Like even people like Anne Hathaway... She was known for mm. like a lot of uh, rom-coms herself. Heath Ledger um, was in quite a lot of rom-coms exactly. as well. Exactly. So, and I think this film does it as well to a certain extent because, mm. like, Ashton Kutcher isn't for this sort of film. You wouldn't think that Amy Smart again, and yeah. then the others. I mean, Eldon Henson is now familiar as Foggy. I think he's in the Hunger Games as well in the later ones. I've not seen them, to be fair. Yeah, um, but at the time, it was a mixture of either. You wouldn't expect that character actor in that role, or you'd never heard of them. Mm. So it's it's kind of which is now becoming a popular thing, um, changing <laughs> your kind of idea of how that actor sh- is. and showing you that these actors are actually quite versatile mm. if given an opportunity. I mean, I'd say even <clears throat> like it sounds odd because obviously they're the Marvel films are fairly cookie cutter in ways. Even their actors get a bit of sort of diversity in their roles like iron man has quite a range throughout the throughout the marvel films i'd say he starts off complete billionaire playboy philanthropist as he says but by the end of it he's a bit more somber and you know it's a bit more depth to him which is interesting like it, it's good to see that actors who do get typecast well a little bit typecast you can actually see they have good range like heck, even hugh grant like he's the freaking rom-com like poster child and yeah. yet look at him in the like the gentleman for example yeah like he's completely different in that yep definitely so yeah this is a good example of that kind of work it's a shame that i don't really see any of these actors in much else yeah you know like like i said foggers and daredevil when you do see more well to be fair he's quite he has quite a dark side in this as well but i, I would happily see more of these characters you know mm. yeah no i agree um, this, I'm going to give an honourable mention to this actor because he's not really a big part of it but the original Marty McFly is here Eric Stoltz yeah, yeah. Uh, plays uh, Amy Smart's character Ke- Kelly Kaylee Kaylee yeah. in uh, another film about time travel another film about time travel except he's a bit weirder in this one but that's fine <laughs> I mean at least he's not trying to sleep with his mother or trying to avoid sleeping with I don't know what he was doing in Back to the Future <laughs> <laughs> basically it seems to be whenever time travel is involved there's some dodgy somebody's gonna sleep with some family stuff going on there you know i feel like uh we will have to give an honorable mention at some point to the futurama episode where fry sleeps with his own grandmother because <laughs> that's a classic episode indeed uh anyway uh where are we? so that's that's pretty much your main actors mm. i can't think of any other big actors in it no. Oh, especially we should kind of mention Tommy because he's in it quite a bit. What's his actor's name? Uh, well, there's a few people that play him. I mean, the older versions, William Lee Scott, mm. um, but there's there's two other versions of him. There's there's three versions of all the characters. Oh yes, there's the child. We should probably mention them because they were actually. I think the child actors were reasonably good in this. Yeah, the, I, particularly <clears throat> the teenage years. I think. Mm. So I think they're fourteen, thirteen, or fourteen. And they're all they're all quite good. Again, Lenny is really good. Just he doesn't say much, but his kind of physical acting says a lot. Yeah, um, you really get that because basically this film gets very dark very quickly. Yes, it goes from almost seeming lighthearted to then being like like Donnie Darko dark sort of yeah. thing. And I think it lends itself for the teenage years and the kind of early 20 years sort of better mm. um, because it ties in with that whole thing how was that <laughs> it was the cat feeder uh <laughs> random. I, I must have left the battery in. there's nothing in there buddy yeah <laughs> he's gone straight for it now he wants it it's like you're gonna feed me anyway um 
What is this? What is this joke? So yeah, what was the one that you said you recognized from something? It was it was Ashton Kutcher's teenage years, wasn't it? Yes. So that is uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but he's uh, it's an interesting name for an actor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's in uh, the series of Dear White People. <laughs> mm. He's very good, um, and I think he's good in this actually. John Patrick Amadori. Hmm. Yeah, they're all thirteen. It's an interesting last name. Yeah. Am- Amadori. Amadori. Hmm. <laughs> That's what you have to say. Bravo, sir. <laughs> um, and. I have one more honourable mention because I do love this guy. Ethan Suplee's in it. Or Suplee or Supply or whatever yeah. his name is. Supply. Supply. No, I don't it's, think it's that. It's supple. <laughs> is now. He's, uh, he's in My Name is Oral, which is one of my favourite never finished series. Is he Randy? He, uh, that, may, maybe I've never name. asked him, but. <laughs> he is in yes, this he film. Is he's quite Randy in this that's, film. That is fair. actually very true. He's, uh, he's always in the background having sex in this film. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he plays Randy in in uh, My Name Is Earl alongside Jason Lee, who's also another great comedic actor. I think um, it's just great to see him in films. I love, I love that guy. Yeah. I don't think I don't even know if he acts anymore because he's a he's a bodybuilder now, which is bizarre when you watch this film and then see him now and he's like freaking Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. But although the size of him, <clears throat> he's only got to just convert that. Well, only I mean it take a lot of work. Yeah, but he's converting the fat into muscle. Yeah, he's just to... a tank. So, yeah. but he's apparently very very nice very very nice in person as well although i've never met him which is funny because in this film well but, he is nice but he loses his shit a yeah few times. he knows how to scare people yeah in the best ways he's but, a yeah. really likable side character yeah he is because he's not in it a lot <laughs> but there's something yeah definitely quite likable mm. about his character he plays um is it Ev- evan is what's what's the main character's name evan yeah evan yeah um he it's his best friend in some of the realities yeah his roommate isn't it yeah they're in well it would be college for them yeah Yeah, american school our our version of university is their college although they have universities which confuses me i think they're like upper level colleges like maybe i don't know Uh. (laughs) whatever um anyway so that's all the acting yeah let's jump into a bit of cinematography there's some interesting bits in here i think it's mostly close-ups Mm. to be fair but i think there's some interesting work in it definitely the uh, like like we were saying before it's more with that e- more to do with editing but with the staccato start mm. it's <coughs> very disorientating mm. um and the way it cuts is yeah you you feel the whole the whole feel of the film is to put you in his shoes yeah and i think it does that quite well as well you it, with all the close-ups you kind of get that intensity from him all the time and um, the loss the loss of scenes is yes. literally the, the loss of time is represented through the loss of scenes yeah so you're missing what he's missing and then as the film progresses you 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 start to piece it together as he does it's somewhat the way they piece together those bits and sort of jump cut and everything it somewhat reminds me of memento mm. in that you're you're missing information that yeah. you're going to find out but you're missing it at the moment That's and at first it does look quite messy mm. but then as we were saying earlier <coughs> it, it so you're supposed to feel it's that. supposed to and it is more satisfying once you kind of almost get past it, it and reflect upon it afterwards yeah it's very much a film that if you were if you're one of these people who walks out on a film in the cinema which i've never done personally although jurassic jurassic world certainly tempted me um <laughs> uh it's one of those films that if you walked out halfway through and understand why you thought it was terrible mm. but if you got all the way to the end i'd want an explanation as to why you thought it was terrible yeah you know but yeah it's, it's very good and it, it wraps up very nicely now you didn't like the ending we have now this isn't again this isn't really a spoiler but there's actually three diff well four different versions of the ending i know two of the theatrical release got fully released mm. in cinemas there's the director's cut which was the dvd version and then the other two I don't think were ever actually released, but were in the extras of the DVD version. It's but. not that I don't like the theatrical cut, which is the one we watched. Mm. I actually quite like it, but I do feel that the director's ending is, Suits the is tonally better. better. Mm. Um, so to kind of look at it critically, I'd say the director's cut is the best ending for the film. Yeah. But the more optimistic 
uh, closure side of me mm. does like the ending we saw. Yeah. I mean, it's not completely <clears throat> answered, but there's there's a bit of open. Yeah, so there's a couple of things they not so much miss, but slightly gloss over, which mm. again we'll talk about in a minute in the spoilers. But yeah, it, o- overall, I think any of the endings are acceptable, except the overly happy one, which is just dumb. That is dumb. <laughs> but that's probably why it's never actually been released. So. Also, I kind of respect the fact that if they'd have just gone for the theatrical cut ending mm. and not had other ones for you to peruse mm. that would be disappointing but the uh, yeah. fact that they filmed multiple ones and then you can watch all of them that makes the whole film better yeah because then it's like oh you can look at the light the dark one the ambiguous one yeah like the on reddit there's people who talk about the ending of, of this there's like a few pages on it yeah and people say oh what's the official ending and it's like whichever one you want because you That's could say the director's cut. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of like Blade Runner. Like the ending of Blade Runner, does the sequel actually confirm which one is correct? I think it's the director's cut. I think it's the last director's one of the director's cut because essentially he has a dream, which hints towards. Well, I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it, but it hints towards something to do with his character. Mm which carries across to Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. So, and I don't know if it's the last director's cut, but it's definitely one of the director's cut. And the versions without the dream, I think they don't lead into the second film. Okay. But I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, I, I, I always that's... I always like having like when when films get different endings. Mm. You know, I I think it's an interesting insight into how a film is made and that even the people writing it and the directors have no idea how they really want to end it they just have multiple choices and i like when you get to see all of them yeah agreed um i think it's pretty much it music's not really worth mentioning there's nothing in there that would say is particularly mind-blowing it's not bad music but it's another one of those films where the music's just there it's in the background you don't need to pay attention to it yeah yeah it adds adds a little bit of tension i guess yeah um it does its job but you're never going to remember it you're never going to be humming the song no it's not not a really memorable score um, with the cinematography, it there are is definitely near the end of the film. There's some really good cinematography. Mm. Um, just from I the... actually really like the last shot of the film in the theatrical release. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's a nice shot. It's a nice shot, and certain things like uh, there's a bit where he's hiding in an office. We won't say why. But in fact, the... they show that right at the start. They so show that that's right actually not too bad. But it's <coughs> it's well filmed. The lighting's really good. The, the colour scheme is a lot of greys yes. and blues. Gives quite a cold, um, hostile feel. Mm. That's all nicely done, nicely lit. Um, some of the stuff at the start I do think is a bit weak with the cinematography. Mm. Um, but I, I think that's just a general thing with the whole film. And it starts to, again, smooth out as it goes on. Mm. Yeah. Well... I think that's pretty much about it. I will mention one thing before we go. If you want to watch the theatrical version, it's on Amazon Prime's video service. I think it's just called Amazon Prime Video or something. Something <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, the director's cut, I think, is only available on DVD. I don't even think there's a Blu-ray, to be honest. Oh. But if you want to watch the theatrical version and then see the other endings, they're all on YouTube. Yeah. So, you know. um, but the director's cut does have extra scenes that the theatrical version doesn't have that play up the ending of that version more which is interesting and it fleshes out the whole film <clears throat> more i'd say and the whole mm. story um it, it just gives a bit more illumination on yeah the 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 content yeah we might have to come and watch the director's cut eventually i think we should yeah, yeah. and two and three <laughs> God, <no. laughs> anyway it's that time, isn't it? It is that time. You're giving me that look. I'm giving you that look. I'm giving you that voice. I'm giving you that pause. Jeff's outside in the car waiting he to is. come in. He'll uh, be here any second. Yeah, demanding his, his triple shot la- he latte. Wants, he does want a triple shot latte. Yeah. Problem is, is, he wants a triple shot of vodka in his latte. Look, Goldblum gets what he wants. That's right? true. You know, he, I mean, he takes the time to come all the way from, I'm assuming, LA <laughs> to come here. That's where every actor comes from, right? To the. So, are we in the suburbs? Are we suburbs? 
I guess so. In the suburbs of Bristol, I think he uh, deserves a three-shot vodka latte. Yeah. But in the meantime, he needs to give us an opinion on the butterfly effect. Go! Bloom. (laughs) (laughs) Go, the bloom. Go, the bloom. Anyway, off you go, Mr. Jeff. Gold at the bloomest. There's uh, another example. <laughs> See, here I'm now by myself uh, uh, talking to myself. That's that's chaos, dude. I think that's a very apt description. Yeah, he pretty much just explained the film. He did. Why are we even here? Why don't we just get him to do it every time? He summed up everything we said in what, a minute. Thank, thank you, Mr. Professional Actor. Yeah. Slash, I think director. He directs a few things, right? Yeah, and now yeah. podcaster, apparently. Jeff, do you direct shit? I just assume he said yes. He nodded his head. He's already, you know, making his way through. Yeah, the he's already left. <laughs> he's on. He's passed out on the floor with the vodka. <laughs> anyway, now that that's over, the first part of the podcast is over. So if you don't want to hear spoilers, you better leave. You better jog on. You better hit the road. Block up them ear holes because <laughs> it's spoiler time. I think basically the only spoilers worth mentioning are what do you see in the blackouts. So, yeah. Starting with the first one, which is, I think it's the one in the basement. Yeah. So, that is quite a big spoiler. So, that's why we call it the spoiler section. But, yes, yeah, so there's in the basement with uh, Mr. OG Mario McFly. <laughs> and it turns out that he's a pedophile and makes, you know, dirty films with children, which is unexpected in this film. Yeah. But, um, but, of course, when he goes back there, he doesn't let it happen. And he calls him a fuckbag. Multiple his times. Multiple times, because he realises it actually has an effect on him. And basically convinces... So this is the first old, uh, reality change. He convinces him to stop. And that if he carries on, he's going to he's gonna lead his daughter to suicide, which in one of the realities she does do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when he wakes up as a jock. And not engaged but damn near close to uh engaged to kelly kaylee kaylee yeah. Kay- kaylee's character um and his beard shorter he's got a goatee instead of a beard and he's really chavvy he's got like tracksuit tracksuit bottoms and he looks like a fucking asshole he's a fuckbag <laughs> he is ironically, a fuckbag yeah. Iro- ironically calling another person a fuckbag turned him into one but yeah uh he's in a I think it's called a sorority house, but I think that's a women's version in America. Well, he is there at the start, isn't he? Because yeah. he's with Kaylee. Yes. And then he yeah. goes back to his frat goes house. back to his own one. Yeah. Um, and then, so that's one of the realities. He creates the jock reality, um, where pretty much everything's pretty well, good for jockey. him. He's a jockey. He is on, a jockey. Like, on the horse. <laughs> he's really short and he rests. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> the tiny extra kid on a horse. <laughs> That'd be a weird reality. That's um, in the director's cut. <laughs> <laughs> That's the director's director's cut. <laughs> it's where there was just a misprint in the script, and the director was like, "Yeah, jockey, okay, yeah, okay, okay, we can make Take that work." Some wrong with it. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's that reality, and he ends up killing the Tommy. Tommy's character because he tries to come kill him. He ends up in prison, which I think is a really good path in that reality. I yeah. think it's a good route. And then he finds someone who's very Christian and convinced, and basically proves to him that he can travel through time by making holes appear on his hands and yeah yeah that's all you really need to mention that but that's really cool reality and it's the weirdest thing i've seen kevin durand in the the mexican guy yeah is kevin durand who's a massive canadian what yeah he's not even the, he's not even hispanic the, me- the mexican guy in the prison is is, is canadian. canadian yeah maybe but maybe he's got hispanic maybe he's, he's got he, he's got like but he doesn't even yeah. look Hispanic normally. No, but he does in this. Yeah. So either makeup or it's really weird. <laughs> Fair enough. It's very strange. Fair play to that guy though. He acted it well. He's a good actor. He's very good. Like, if you told me he was Hispanic, I would have believed you. <laughs> <laughs> now he's a Canadian. I don't believe you. You didn't go, hey, buddy. <laughs> I, whenever I hear Canadian, I just hear South Park. <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. Look at him normally. Oh shit! Yeah, he does look different. He's That's very really white. Yeah. Damn. Fair enough. Anyway, Indeed. so uh, other realities worth mentioning. So there is multiple. Um, there's the version where he accidentally gets Tommy killed by, is it Kenny? Lenny? He's part French. That doesn't count. <laughs> part, Sorry, part French. I'm still on Kevin Durand. 
there, there's a reality where he he basically accidentally convinces Lenny to kill Tommy when he's a child when they're like children or teenagers yeah. and then Lenny ends up in an insane asylum and basically completely losing his mind and squeezing mice and you know oh no wait that's of mice and men sorry I'm getting confused <laughs> very different films <laughs> um then there's the reality where what the realities are the reality where he stops a bomb like a, a little um firework going oh off and dude killing where's her. my arms dude where's my dude where's my arms uh yeah where he loses his arms because an explosion goes off and he loses his arms but tommy ends up heavily christian and like a a born a born again christian basically yeah, yeah. um and kelly kelly why do i keep blanking kaylee. That kaylee god damn it damn you kaylee why aren't you called kelly just think of kale and then lee, lee. <laughs> so kelly right <laughs> Kaylee, that's right. That's yeah. right. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and Lenny end up together. Um, he's miserable in that reality, so thankfully there's some diary. Oh yeah, he he does all this by using his diaries, which we mentioned. Um, he ends up in another reality where he's in an insane asylum himself, uh, because <clears throat> he has. Why does he end up in an asylum? I can't remember now. What does he do? <clears throat> that's a big. That's a big part of it. Yeah, that's <laughs> completely blank. That yeah. one. What did he do? There is a reason. Yeah. Oh, uh, he accidentally gets um, Kelly. Kaylee. Kaylee, thank you for fuck's sake. <laughs> he accidentally gets Kaylee killed in the basement with a with a dynamite that he finds. Oh, you're right. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> so he ends it, up yeah. there. Essentially, this film gets more and more bleak. It, yes, it gets quite tough to watch. And every time on. he switches to a new reality, his brain—he's getting brain damage from it. Because yeah. essentially, every time he transports, he gets a flood of all the new memories from that reality. And obviously, your brain can't really handle that. So he basically has like, almost like a brain hemorrhage every time he transfers. I think what's a positive and negative about the film is. Obviously, we're talking about how the the start of it is a little bit rough around the edges. Mm. I think part of that is also the tone because it's a little bit cheesy at the start. Mm. It's still dark. The stuff he's doing, like he's drawing these drawings with like dead bodies and stuff, yeah. it's freaky. But the way it's done is a little <laughs> bit cheesy. Mm. But it's it starts to lose that cheesiness and just just full on dark. Mm. And in the negative side of that is it, it's a bit it's a bit of a tonal shift mm. but what i quite like about it is it almost fools the audience maybe it is deliberate because you think okay this is going to be a little bit dark but it's also got that element of cheesiness come to think of it it kind of matches the age group so when he's between when he's about seven mm. everything's a bit cheesier when he becomes a teenager it gets a bit darker and when he's an adult it gets kind of a mix of happier and darker and then when he gets to the final bit of the film where he's it's seven years later again it's a little bit happier but also a little bit darker because his past still kind of haunts him yeah it's interesting maybe it's also a comment on like the loss of innocence as you grow yeah older. that's true you could see that being a thing there are there's quite a lot of layers to this film um i think on if you take it on surface value you would think oh maybe it's just there are other films that have done it better but i mm. think there there is there is quite a lot to it and also at the time, apart from Donnie Darko, I can't really think of another film that was like this. Because mm. uh, I remember when I saw it for the first time, it did leave a big impression on me. Particularly <clears throat> when he wakes up with no arms. Yeah. Because I, I, I knew I knew <coughs> something like that was going to happen, but they shoot it very cleverly. Yeah. Because he's got his arms behind his and head. You can't see and that you can't he's see his arms. And then the bit where he wakes up in the asylum also, they, they both... Because I, obviously I said I couldn't remember much of it, but those images burned into my mind. Yeah. And I always associate that <laughs> film with those images. So I think it does have a surprising amount of impact. Mm. And I quite liked the uh, the lore to this film as well, in that his father had the ability as well. Yeah. And we'll talk about the endings in a minute, but there's... Well, I'll, no, we'll mention that when I talk about the director's cut ending. But yeah, the, the lore behind it is very interesting. And the lore behind the director's cut is even more interesting. Mm. Um, so 
yeah the fact that his father has this ability and that his father wants it to die with him so he actually tries to kill his kill ashen kutcher's character um but yeah i it just there's there's so much interesting things that happen throughout the film that i think even though it's not perfect film it, it's a it's a good ride you know like every every reality he wakes up in is a good surprise and interesting you know yeah <clears throat> um suppose there's all this left spoilers is the four different endings yeah they're quite integral to talk about so let's talk about the two that we didn't see first so let's talk about the happy ending and the Ugh. um <laughs> the ambiguous ending so let's go with the happy ending because it's mm-hmm. terrible actually i suppose we should actually go with the theatrical first so it, the others make sense yeah. so it ends the theatrical version which we saw it ends with him basically going back to a point in his childhood before he becomes friends with kaylee kaylee thank you <laughs> I don't know why I can't remember. I'm just going to start fucking basically, with you. Basically, um, basically convinces her to never talk to him. He basically tells her to fuck off as like a five year old child and that he'll kill her family. Back. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised if he did. Um, so he never talks to her, never becomes friends with her. They grow up separate lives and basically end up with reasonably good lives. They It cuts to a point when they're like in their thir- early 30s. And they're like business people. They walk past each other in the street. He looks back, but obviously she doesn't know who he is. And he keeps on walking. And that's the end. Well, he looks back ending. at her. Yeah. And then when he turns around, she looks back at him. Or the other way around. Something like that. Yeah. Um, so they both <laughs> miss each other looking at each other. Yeah. But there's it, it leaves it to the point of he understands that he could go talk to her, but he knows he shouldn't, so he doesn't. Which yeah. is a good ending. Yeah, you because, weren't 100% sure in it, but... Because, to be honest, it could have massive ramifications mm. if he did, so... Yeah. Um, then there's the happy ending, Ugh. which thankfully was never planned to be released. It was just one of the versions they filmed, where same thing happens, but they turn around and see each other and start talking. Yes. And he goes, Kaylee. And he she goes, how did you know my name? And he goes, oh, you look like a Kaylee, which, you know, to 99.9% of people would go, stalker run away also and based on her childhood i mean i know he changed it but the dad was still creepy yeah that's yeah that's true she'd still she would have had a miserable life without him being there because she was like raped and fucking everything yeah but i think he did change that no because he went back to a point before that happened so the birthday party is the first time they met which is where he goes back but i think it showed a bit where the, the family were okay for some reason Maybe the parents stay together or something. Oh, yes, they do. Which is interesting because it doesn't explain why. Because mm. she goes running to her mother after he tells her to get lost. But I don't know why. Why they the mother then sticks with them. Interesting. Oh, of course. Got it. Because um, she says the reason she stays with her father is because she wouldn't want to live without seeing Ashton Kutcher's yes, character. Yeah. If she never knew him, she would have gone live with her mother, so she would have had a happier life. So, yes, it does make sense. It does It does cover itself, this film, pretty well. It doesn't have... I can't think of any plot holes. That's true. So, you know, well That's done true. to it. There's the ambiguous ending. Just one more thing about the happy ending. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My main gripe with it is it looks like uh, an advert for fucking perfume or hair or something the way it's done is just he does have nice hair though (laughs) yeah they both do that's the problem it looks like an advert for hair coffee or you know a dating app it's just stupid um it she would call the police or just be like get away from me you freak Mm. um and it's just not interesting it's It's not interesting thankfully that isn't any of the official endings no the other ending is an ambiguous one basically the same thing but she keeps on walking and he starts following her oh god definitely stalkery again yeah that's not much better stalker ending number two and nothing else to really say on that one and then the director's cut ending which is the version i'm more familiar with now in the director's cut version of the film a bit of backstory to it they explain that he basically goes to a fortune teller and the fortune teller freaks out because she says he's got no lifeline he's someone who shouldn't exist he, which was what i was saying about him not having a soul exactly on. he's he is a time anomaly he shouldn't exist is literally the thing that happens in the director's cut it's done pretty well to be fair and something they hint about in the film as well is that the mother's had multiple miscarriages yeah right 
and the film in the director's cut version ends with him going back to a video of him of his mother in, in labor and basically he kills himself as a as a baby inside the womb he strangles himself with the umbilical cord now some people find that dumb but what you got to remember is is his mind is going back to his body at that age no matter what so he the capability is there for him to do it he has the mind of a 20 a 20 30 year old yeah i suppose and he kills himself and the film ends with him being dead but everyone else's lives carrying on and everyone being a lot happier without him but his mother never has another child but in the director's cut they actually hint that she has something like seven or eight miscarriages i think it's only two no in the director's cut it's more is it yeah um i think in the original film they have they have a couple of miscarriages yeah but it's not really played on whereas in the director's cut it's actually hinting at the fact that she's had multiple children that have all gone through the exact same experience and all killed themselves yeah which is like really fucked up but a really good dark ending to the film and i like both the theatrical ending and the director's cut ending but I think the director's cut ending, like you said before, fit, fits the rest of the tone of the film better because mm-hmm. the fact that he gets brain damage every time he transfers to a new reality, it, it kind of makes you question, how is he now alive? How is he now able to carry on as normal? Um, whereas that version obviously completely cuts that out and that's not a problem. But I love the fact that the director's cut adds all that lore of she's had children go through this before who all come to the same conclusion of they shouldn't exist entirely. And then she has another child, they do the same thing. And of course, she doesn't know that these children were actually born because she's had miscarriages each time in her mind because that's the reality she's in. So it's a really fucked up ending, but it's actually pretty well written and the director's cut pulls it off well, I think. Definitely. Hmm. And I can see why they didn't go with it. It doesn't work in... well. It, it does work, but it would scare off a lot of audiences. It would scare off a lot of audiences. And a lot of people online say that are oh, that they tested this with audiences and it didn't go down well. The truth is, according to quotes from the directors, it was actually never shown. They made the decision, the directors themselves, thinking they didn't think it would go down well in theatres. So they kept it for the director's cut. Especially you've got to think <coughs> about the film as it is as well. Because it has especially with someone like Ashton Kutcher and some of the other actors, the 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 style of it in the first half, yeah, it does go incredibly dark, but it's still that sort of early 2000s film. It's still got a little film. bit of hope. Yeah, it's that sort of early 2000s film, and I think all those factors people would have expected mm-hmm. the uh, ambiguous ending. Um, this yeah. is definitely a film that if I was... Well, I do recommend watching it, watch the theatrical cut then watch the director's cut a few weeks later yeah and you'll get a lot out of it and you'll you'll find the film is more interesting because of it yeah yeah having said that dawny darko did that it has a director's cut as well doesn't it yeah yeah but uh, not the director's <clears throat> cut i mean it ended with him killing himself yes that's true oh sorry if you haven't seen it <laughs> <laughs> well we are in a spoiler zone all spoilers are that's pre-game. true actually yeah so... you enter the spoiler zone you're in the spoiler zone yeah so donnie darko i guess is the the vote the film that stuck to its guns and did that i just imagined the spoiler zone as a sonic the hedgehog level they all die darth vader was luke's father what dude i haven't seen it of course i've seen it anyway i think that's about it yeah i can't think of any big spoilerish things there's other spoilers, but go find out yourself. Or, you know, if you've already seen it, you already know them. Yeah. So I'm not going to tell you about them. No. Why Why would you? Exactly. Anyway, it's goodbye from me. And it's get out from me.